Welcome to the Hiker Trash Podcast. This is a project of Local Exposure Magazine. My name is Ronnie Pettit, and I'm your host. The Hiker Trash Project began with my curiosity about why people through hike the Appalachian Trail, or any long trail. I wondered why they do it, what they gain from it, and how that experience might manifest itself in their life after the trail. I spent an entire year following, photographing, and interviewing through hikers on the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine and all the way back to Georgia. I put all that, those interviews and photographs, into a 200-page coffee table book. And now we're going to continue the project as a podcast. So listen along as we track down some of the people we met along the way and interview new hikers and find out, did that experience change them or... Did it simply provide the context to reveal who they already are? You can find out more about Local Exposure Magazine on the internet at localexposuremagazine.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at local.exposure.magazine. The intro music for today's episode was provided by Scott Lowe. He's a Northeast Georgia-based singer-songwriter. You can find him on Instagram at Songs. Okay, on today's episode of the Hiker Trash Podcast, we have Mary and Ben, also known as Newfound and Unfiltered. Say hello, guys. Hi. Hello. Also, brand new owners of the Grove Hostel. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's. Uh, I guess we might as well start with trail names. Uh, Newfound. Oh, oh, me first. Okay. Tell us about Newfound. Yeah. So um, I did the cardinal sin of naming yourself before I started. Okay. Um, I was post-divorce and felt some kind of way about someone else giving me a trail name after waiting so long to get my maiden name back. And mm. um, I, like five years before I threw Hike the AT, I went to Newfound Gap just on a road trip with my ex-spouse and had a really weird moment of not not deciding to do the AT, but having a weird sense of knowing like, oh, the next time I'm here, I'll have walked here from Georgia. Oh, wow. And I'm not, I'm not religious or superstitious or anything of the sort. So it was a very weird like, oh, okay. I've never backpacked a day in my life. My longest day hike was like eight miles tops. And um, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is self-fulfilling prophecy or whatnot. But the next time I was there, I'd walk there from Georgia. And then I kept going to Maine. Was that your first experience with the AT? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was. I had heard of it. I knew of it, of course. Um, But that was the first time that I had seen the trail that was the first time that i walked on the trail um we went to what was that shelter ice water spring mm-hmm. shelter just like a few miles first one north of mm-hmm. north gap. of New- north of newfound gap and um you know shortly after that a few years after that's when my 
divorce happened. And one of the things that kept me going is like, oh, okay, there's a goal to shoot for is something that's going to, something good that's going to happen after all of this insanity of, you know, divorce and being alone for the first time in my adult life um, because I had married my high school sweetheart was that moment at Newfound Gap. Um, so when I started the trail, my one goal was really just to make it to that weird mm. gap and not even to make it to Katahdin. I just wanted to walk back to that place wow. and know that I had made it. I just got chill bumps. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Newfound okay. is a cool word. Thank you. Na- it almost, does it have like more deeper meaning? Yeah, like- yeah. I. Uh, it, it's like newfound life, newfound, you know, I, like I had mentioned, I had never been alone before. So that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, all of the choices that get to be made are my choices. And it was through hiking the AT was the first thing that I had really decided to do for myself because everything else that had existed within the context of my marriage. And yeah, it was newly found. It was different. It was strange. And it was very scary as a lot of new things are, but, um, this is the best thing. Do you ever refer to yourself as newfound now you're back in the real world? Oh yeah. Well, the benefits of owning a hostel is anytime I'm texting a hiker back to our hostel number, um, I always sign off as newfound. So they know like, Oh, okay. This is another hiker. Like they understand what's going on. Interesting. Um, In the, in the episode that comes out this week with Maverick, he talks about you a little bit. mm Mm-hmm. So I need to listen. Comes out Thursday. Cool. How about you, uh, Ben? Tell us about Unfiltered. So Unfiltered, I went to the trail wanting to not be the, didn't have a name, but not be the, oh, I did something stupid and I got my trail name. But <laughs> I... Um, did you do anything stupid? No. <laughs> I, I, it's more of a funny, but it's more about who I am. My trail name is a true reflection of... Of me and all my friends, when they heard my trail name, they're like, oh, yeah, that's you. But As in you speak unfiltered? You'll, you'll figure okay. it out here. Just <laughs> let me answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> so I started, you know, first big day, um, made it to a shelter at a gooch, and there's a, the spring there. And I'm like, why filter your water, everybody? It's spring, just drink it. So I kind of did that. And, um Next morning, I had met two other hikers who all we were all ambitious and could do the bigger miles. And we, we met, we had formed a great tramley, and it was a lot of fun. Um, after the third day, was, we stayed a stealth site after a low gap shelter someplace. And um, they were trying to, they both had their trail names, Mud Duck and Tangled were their names. They both had, they were trying to figure out a name for me. So, you know, I would, same thing. I would go, didn't filter my water at all. And we came, the next morning we came past Blue Mountain Shelter, went down to Unicoi Gap. There was a church group, a youth church group doing trail magic, which getting burgers, getting a hot dogs, bag of chips and a soda feels amazing. So we're sitting there and they're all trying to think of trail names for me. We're talking to everybody else that doesn't have a trail name. It's kind of like what's the point of con- what's conversation. Well, Mud Duck goes to me, he goes, You better watch you better watch your mouth. You're wrong. Oh, you're around. You're your church griff. I'm like, who the F cares? <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like, I'm like, oh. And he's like, I think your trail name should be is unfiltered. I'm like, Yep, it is. 
So yes, it's my mouth, and yes, it's because I usually don't filter water when I come to springs. Like the whole way? Not the whole way, like springs. Like if you can see where the water source come on the ground, yeah, you don't need to filter it. Right. But when it's the the ponds or the rivers or where you're in Maine, it's a drought and you're drinking out of the ponds and who knows what's swimming in them, no, I'm, I'm filtering that. Gotcha. I'm, I'm the same way. If I can see it or almost see where it comes out of the ground. Like I did on the PCT, like people just gave me the weirdest looks. I was in the Sierras, like, you're, you're going to drink that? I'm like, we're at 11,000 feet. Do you see the top of the mountain? Yes. Yeah. I'm drinking it. Yeah. I think I've only gotten sick once from water. But I will. Here's a side, side trail story. Uh, in 94, I worked as a ridge runner on the Georgia section. And uh, there's a stretch from Neil Gap to Tesnati Gap. Is that the next one? Uh, you climb up, and there's kind of like a, you're on top of the ridge. There's a little side trail to water. Go there to get water. It's kind of flat there, you know. So I, I sit down to filter some water, and I'm having that conversation in my head. It's like, I don't need to filter this. Come on, man. And I look to my right, and about 10 feet away was a dead hawk <laughs> in the water. And I was like, oh, okay, let's, okay, we'll filter. Yeah. But normally I don't. Yeah, there was a, the first thing I really remember was somewhere in Virginia, there was a puddle of water like oh it's spring you could see it coming from the ground but you're like this is just sitting here there's cow tracks around here i'm like mm. no i'm i'm filtering this yeah, cows and wild hogs no good no. so let's stay with you for a second and uh how did the at become something that sounded like a good idea for you working in the desk job you know you kind of get distracted by looking at things. And I remember seeing a blog about someone hiking the AT and just, you know, kind of just being memorized by it and, and really wanting to do that. I'm a competitive person that challenged and it was something that I wanted to do and just didn't have the means, just didn't have the time. And finally, 2020, I made a move uh, with my uh, ex-wife and you know, she took a new job, and I was just like, I want to go hike the AT. And the plan was 2020. We know what happened. didn't work out and ended up just getting a job and uh, just kind of a retail job, just, you know, kind of saving, things like that. But for me, it was just my why was just wanting to, to challenge myself, but also just find more about out about myself and how I operate. But you didn't have previous backpacking experience? I had three one three one night like backpacking trips i've ever done and like even to this day people are like oh you want to go backpacking i'm like no let's go for four <laughs> months though so. <laughs> you you want to do you know like maybe two months or a month okay let's go but like right overnight i'm like no i'll just do day hike and i'll do a 22 mile day hike i'll do whitney and come back down in one day wow that's that's more enjoyable to me what about you, Newfound? You talked a little bit about it, but did you have any camping outdoor experience before you set out? Uh, no, none. I had day hiked and car camped. I traveled a lot, um, been to a good chunk of the national parks and most of the states out here, um, most of the states in the U.S. And yeah, I had no experience, but it became something that I really honed in on um, 
in the process of my divorce, I, you know, between renovating my house because it was a work in progress whenever that happened, um, I would just take any three day weekend. I would drive up to Arkansas or North Carolina, you know, right after work. Where were you living? I was in Baton Rouge. Um, so there's really no, no good hiking out there. There's one like little loop. Um, my first backpacking trip was in the middle of a swamp. I wore cotton, everything I got. (laughs) I had boots in July in Louisiana. Um, got Giardia, all the things, just the trifecta of a bad time and still decided that it was something that I wanted to do and I wanted to do it for six months. Um, so yeah, I, uh, had no backpacking experience except, you know, after I had already decided and knew that I wanted to hike the AT, I would go out and do shakedown hikes, but my longest trip was still like three days on the Washita trail. And that was pretty much it. How did you guys select your gear? I think a lot of that is just, you know, kind of researching the whole like YouTube the YouTube thing and just looking and understanding what, what works and what people like. It was funny. I did a lot of research, and I have my pack. I know what works. The first time I did, when I did the AT, I kept it. Next year, I did the PCT. I kept the same things. I tried to change out a backpack for something different, but 400 miles in, went back to my original one. I did carry the AT, and that you know went all the way. What was it? What pack? Hyperlite Southwest. Did you consider yourself ultralight? No, no. My the problem with my stuff is my stuff is I'm six foot seven, so all my stuff is extra long, tall. So when people look at my tent, they're like, "Oh, well, why is your tent so heavy?" I'm like, "I can't use a Gossamer gear or a small Z-Pax one. I have to actually have something with size." What tent did you have? Uh, I did the AT with a a light heart gear duo. Great tent. It worked. I was very fortunate it was a dry year, but it, it worked really, really well for me. And then the PCT, I did a uh, Durston. I hiked the PCT with my ex-wife and started with a Durston, went to freestanding, sea to summit, about 1,100 miles in, which was great. Freestanding is awesome tents with a partner. It works great. And then when it was just me, I did the Durston uh, X-Mid 2 Pro. And I light. I was just at that point, I was wanting to finish. I was light. Were those tents just naturally long enough or... Or they make it like a long. They long were long. naturally long enough. I know you can get longer ones now, but they they work for me. Like I'm very much research. Okay, what are what are the dimensions? Okay, I'm going to take 10, 10 inches off those dimensions because or thirteen because they're we all know they're wrong. They lie. Yeah, big angus. Oh, it's ninety three inches long. Like a two person tent. Yeah, is I, like, yeah, uh, I can't even. I can't even fit. Yeah, I can't even fit it. I'm like, no, this isn't actually like a seventy eight inch or seventy seven inch tent. What about you, Newfoundland? Um, so lots and lots of trial and error condensed into just may, there were maybe, I, I was actively prepping for the AT over the course of like six months before that. It was just like, okay, anytime I can get away, I'm going to go, um, you know, on a quick overnight to test it. And I would actually, I would go out of my way to go backpacking in just the shittiest weather. Um, if it was raining, I was like, this is a great time to go sleep in the woods and see what works nice. and what doesn't. Um, the Washtenaw Trail, um, that wasn't my longest shakedown mileage wise, but it took, um, the longest amount of time. Cause that was early on. We saw a forecast of like two inches of snow. It was six to eight inches. And 
I was good because I knew that I, you know, I'm cold natured. So I started the AT with a zero degree quilt. Um, I started out with a tent and in Massachusetts switched to a hammock. So I just kind of, you know, swapped out gear, bought it, sold it, used, you know, and just kind of really, really focused on like, okay, if this doesn't work, what would work better? And just trial and error, reading a lot of gear reviews, just trying to make it as light as I possibly could. Um, I wouldn't consider myself ultralight either because I carry like a big camera uh, on my through hike and I don't regret it because I used it every day. But um, I... What, what kind of camera? I had a Canon um, mirrorless DSLR. The Sony ones are so much lighter, but I'm a I'm kind of a camera snob. I've always used Canon. So nice. um, it's like, it is three pounds of camera and the lens is just ridiculous. And I'll probably carry it again. But um, I had a Z-Pax pack and it made it technically. Um, it was being held together by uh, dental floss and hopes and dreams by the time I climbed <laughs> on him, but uh, it made it and they did good. They, they would send me stays when the, the stays would break. And um, like I said, I started with a Gossamer gear tent, switched to a hammock and I really love hammock camping. You do? Oh yeah. It's what, what do you do with your gear? Put it underneath the hammock? Yeah. Um, so I was able to just hang it. I had a rain fly that was long enough where I could attach my pack to a carabiner on like one end of the hammock and it would be under the rain fly. So it literally just kind of like hang, you know, usually at the head of the hammock and um, just kind of hang out under there. And then anything else, like my shoes, I would just put it on the ground underneath my hammock. Um, but yeah, no, so comfortable. Mm. I'm like, I'm looking, I'm planning on doing the PCT this year and I'm looking at it like, can I hammock it? Can I time my stops appropriately to just hammock it? Because I sleep so much better in a hammock than I do in a tent. Well, when you first started out with no real previous experience, at least for a long distance hike, what kind of difficulties or learning curve did you have like in that first week or so? Or were there any? Oh, yeah, there there were tons. I you know, I knew how to use my gear, set up my tent, that kind of thing. I wasn't popping tags on any gear. Um, I saw a lot of that at the what, first what, shelter. What does that mean? Oh, like I saw people like popping new tags off oh, of like their tents. Gear they just bought they and just, hadn't even used? Yeah. So I looked around. I was I've like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, I practiced, you know, my bear hang in my parents' backyard. They had a nice tree and I was like, ah, yeah, I got it. Was there some pressure, like when you show up to the first shelter and there's people around, it's like, I need to act like I know what I'm doing yeah. here? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it's, yeah, the, the bar is really low, and the, the bear hangs are also really low at the first couple shelters. I remember ducking under some people's bags. But um, Did you hear the episode with CK? He talked about he, he was so... Uh, self-conscious about being a thru-hiker. He felt so under, I don't know, what's the word, under-prepared, mm -hmm. under, unworthy, that he didn't even put his, like, AT hang tag on his pack until oh, no. he made 500 miles. Oh, no. That he wouldn't even consider. Yeah, I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a hiker tag until Hyper's Ferry. 
because that's when they finally started giving them out in the, AT, the ATC. So I didn't care, but it's funny how during the approach trail, you just see so many people who who aren't having their best time. I'm going to say it that way. Is there judgment going on? Like, oh, they're not going to make it. No, that, that, the judgment doesn't start until after Springer. Okay. Because I think, well, I'll finish my thought and then I'll add to that. But you, when you're starting, yeah, to me, you're learning and nothing's perfect, but I was fortunate to spend seven nights, eight days in the Grand Canyon to kind of like, that was my shakedown pack, my shakedown hike, but it wasn't a hike. It was a, I was living out of the back of my kayak, but, but so I knew how to do that stuff, but you just realize like, Hey, everybody's learning. No one's, no one's the pro, but you know, I spent my first night spring mountain shelter, but the next day, the judging went on where you just look at people. You're like, <laughs> I'm glad you're out here. That's awesome. But do you really know which, what's going on here? And I remember coming to a gap and I think it was horse gap. There was three guys who literally were like, looked like they were dead. Lean up against the tree. They're like, Oh, it's so hot. It's, it's so rough. And we're going to get a, we're going to get a shower. We're going to spend the night at a house. I'm like, cool. Awesome. Good for you guys. They're like, Oh, where did, where did you come from this morning? I'm like I came from Springer. They're like, what? It's like noon and you're ready from Springer. I'm like, yeah, like, it's okay. But you just see so many people that, you know, you give them credit for being out there, but yeah, you look at them and you're like, I don't think they're going to make it. Did you meet anybody like that, that you saw later that did make it that you remember? Not that I remember. I was, I started out of the gate fast. I kept going fast until Harper's Ferry. So I think a lot of those people that I had, that I, you know, kind of passed, I, just never saw them again. But I'm sure there were people that, that made it. Heck yeah. Good were you in good physical shape at the beginning? Pretty decent. Not, I was in Appalachian Mountain shape, whereas you weren't used to the climbs, things like that, but I was in shape. I had done regular workouts, you know, three times a week, you know, cardio, lifting, things like that to keep yourself, to get yourself in shape. But I wasn't like in... I could do 20 miles right at the get-go. Do you remember a time, or did you have a moment where you had this realization that, like, this is my life. I just hike every day. I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable. I think you, you accept that when you walk underneath the arch away from your life, you know, from your loved ones or things like that, where you're walking away and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to get to Maine and to, to finish this. This is my one chance to do it. Let's do it. And I think you kind of get that. For me, it was the first, like my first true night on, like the second night on trail was Gooch Mountain, just talking to everybody who's there. I think that's when you kind of realize, like, this is, this is going to be our life. This is where everybody is. This is the people that you walk around and, and that you meet, and you're like, yeah, this is this is what it's going to be. What about you, Newfound? Um, what I tell people when they ask me that question is that all of the hard stuff for me, it happened before. All the deciding to do it is the hardest part, and making the choice of I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to sell my house and get rid of 
you know, most of my material belongings, anything that won't fit in the world's smallest storage unit in mom and dad's closets, it's gone. Um, I went, I think the, the biggest mistake that I made on my through was just not listening to my body and not listening to my limitations. Day three, I got hurt. My knee just, it wouldn't bear weight. And I did a series of like zero day and hike and zero and hike. Um, but by the time I made it to the north side of the Smokies, I had learned how to, okay, everyone around me is going fast. They're going, you know, 15, 16 miles a day, 20 miles a day. I can't do that yet. That's fine. But, you know, by the time I made it to the north side of the Smokies, I had just on my first 20, my knee didn't hurt anymore. And I was like, okay, this is life now. And as the trail, you know, progressed and got harder in New Hampshire and all of that, I knew that I was going to have to start my life over no matter what I did, if I got off then or if I got off after um, making it to Katahdin, then, you know, it didn't really matter. So I might as well keep walking and just kind of walk at the pace that feels appropriate to my skill set and, you know, remaining, a, remaining adaptable and accepting the limitations that I had and going like, okay, I'm tired today. We're going to go slow. I feel good today. We're going to go fast. Um, yeah. But for me, the hard part, the mental hard part was already done before I even walked on the arch. I was like, this is life. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, Earlier you said that initially your goal was just to make it back to Newfound Gap. Mm -hmm. Did you have a moment when you got there on the trail? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just walked up to the sign and because there's a little sign there that says, you know, Newfound Gap, and I, the mileage isn't correct. It's like... 1972 miles to Katahdin or whatever, but it was the same sign that I had seen the first time I saw the AT. I'd walked up to it and I put my hand on it and went, okay. And then I looked north and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not done yet. Just kept going. I felt that I had learned, you know, everything that I had needed to learn about myself at that point. Cause I walked onto the trail, like post-divorce really just kind of unmoored, and not necessarily moving aimlessly through life, but moving through life in a way that I never had before. And being totally self-reliant out there as much as you can be, you know, you're never totally self-reliant on the trail. You have people around you helping you all the time. But um, yeah, it was, in a lot of ways, it meant more to me to make it there than to make it to the end. Because it was like, okay, I kept my promise to myself and I made it here. Nice. Find yourself or in a tramley? I did. At what point? Um, I had, I didn't really hike with a tramley, you know, any consistent amount of time. But um, because to me it was really important to go out and kind of do the trail alone and really listen to, you know, what I needed to do in terms of pacing. There wasn't any like, okay, we are going to do this and we are going to get into town on this day. It was very much like I need to recalibrate and learn what it feels like to do life on my own and listen to my own instincts. And that was the most important thing to me. Was that like intentionally stay at arm's length from a tramley or is that just kind of how you're 
internal motivation work? That was, yeah, I mean, yes and no. It was really how my intentional motivation worked. Um, I wouldn't say that I was like antisocial, like, oh, no, I can't belong to a tramway because I must be alone. But I, you know, when the people around me were like, okay, we're going to go do this. We're going to pull a 30 and get into town. You know, we're going to do the four state challenge. I was like, I checked in with myself and I was like, that doesn't sound right to me. I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, Was that ever difficult to do to like just stand up for yourself or just, you know, take care of your own needs in a, in a group that's saying, Hey, let's all go do this thing. Oh yeah. I mean, that's how I hurt myself. So I had a friend like on day one and we were dealing with like, oh, okay, there's a weird canister area by Jared Gap and Blood Mountain, and there's rain coming, and we want to get into town. So there's this random guy that walked up and said he has a cabin at Blood Mountain, so let's get there. And, you know, did 16 miles and hurt my knee because I was like, okay, kind of got caught up in the moment of, oh, we got to do this, when it probably would have been better for me to just, like, stop short, stop early, you know, be in the rain, suffer, whatever. Um, so I went onto the trail with the intention of like, okay, I'm going to do this my way. And then immediately forgot that and got caught up on day three and learned that lesson very, very quickly again. Um, and then didn't forget it after that. So I didn't go out of my way to avoid being in a tramley, but um, by the time I made it to Pennsylvania, Um, people, you know, you kind of find who's going your pace. And I hiked with a group from Pennsylvania through New Jersey, um, Casserole, Clementine, Floridian Jones. They're awesome, awesome friends. And, um, then when a couple of them went into New York city, Casserole and I kept going until Vermont and then Casserole had to get off trail for, a couple days and I was like, no, I really feel like I got to go. So I went alone and then found another group in the whites and we hiked together up until, uh, the day before I summited Katahdin. I kind of went off on my own for, you know, a series of reasons, um, like weather related and stuff like that. But I kind of, moved in and out of tramleys, and I enjoyed that because I had to be really slow in the beginning, and the people I met in the Smokies, they got ahead of me, but then I caught up to them in Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine um, and Hattons. There is literally a guy that I saw on day two of my through that I walked into the Birch's campground right before going up Katahdin and saw him for the first time again. Wow. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It was that was the way that I needed to do my through hike. How about you, Ben? What was your tramley experience? Did you jump in one early? I did. I, I'm a very social person. I'm actually right. I want to. I want. I want to be social when I hike. And I met two people, you know, at after a second ending trail, uh, tangled and then mud duck. And we, there's the three of us. We formed our own tramley pretty well. We were all mileage and. I'm a planner by nature as well. So like, so it's for me, it's, Hey, let's, this is a mileage. We can be in town in three days, two days, or what do we want to do? And, and we worked well through us. We had a great time. We enjoyed our miles. And then, you know, it, it kind of split. And then after Damascus woods holds, we it kind of split. I was on my own and, and I was, wasn't the feeling best, but I was still pushing miles and, you know, I meet people, but, I'd be gone or they would pass me and 
But then I met another couple people, another little group of tramway around Northern Virginia, the Shenandoahs, had a blast with them. We had a lot of fun in the Shenandoahs. Um, some of them got escorted off of a lodge in, in the back of a uh, National Park Service Ranger vehicle. But it, it was all good. The Rangers were really cool to them. But, but it was just, it was great to have fun and be social. And when I made, I did a 45-mile day in the Harper's Ferry. At that point on that day, I told myself, I want to enjoy this. I don't want to do this for miles. I want to enjoy it. I want it to be, to be social. And I bounced around group. I met people, bounced around groups here and there. And then in on the summit of Moose Lock, I had, there's a couple that was hiking. I said, hey, do you guys want to hike together through the whites? Like, yeah, sure, great. And I met them and we ended up hanging out and then literally it ended up being kind of a unofficial tramway of about 10 people. We all hiked together. We had a, a blast. We we would go to the lodges or the visitor centers to have like the buffet, the breakfast buffet, things like that. We just had a blast and go on. We all had a great time and um, hiked. There was four of us that hiked together all the way up until uh, Monson and Shaw's. And then we kind of split. And then Mud Duck, who I originally started hiking with, he met back up and him and I finished Hundred Mile Wilderness and summoned Katana together. Nice. So we started the same day and we finished the same day. So being a, a really social guy and a planner, did it did it kind of end up you being the leader of the tram? Yeah, it was. Like I remember sitting because I had a set day I needed to be done with in Katahdin, and I literally just kind of did a quick sketch of what the miles were all the way from Corm all the way to to Katahdin and. My terrain, they were they were great. They were cool with it. They kind of laughed at, like, all we have to do is just get to the road crossing, and we know where we're going to stay. Just follow you. Yeah, we know we're going to stay. There, we know there's going to be a ride there waiting for us, or or things are going to be going to be taken care of. But no, it was yeah. There's a, a lot of that, but I enjoyed it. It was fun, and you know, yeah, I mean, you miss some of the spontaneity of things, but it's also nice to know that. When it's going to rain or there's bad weather coming in, you know, hey, I've got a room, i got a bunk, I'm set, I don't have to worry about it. You know, there's some people that come in, they're like, oh, do you, do you have a room tonight? And you're like, they're like, sorry, we're full. And then they have to sleep in their tent when it's pouring rain outside. So what about food? What do you guys do for your food? And do you have a favorite hiker trash meal? So for food... I was very boring. Um, it was oatmeal and peanut butter and carnation, instant breakfast and coffee every single morning. And I never got sick of it. Really? Really. And in my real life, quote unquote, I don't eat oatmeal. But anytime I'm on trail, it's like, yeah, this is what I want. This is great. Um, and then every night, mashed potatoes, instant mashed potatoes and some sort of like tuna or salmon packets or chicken packets. You mix them together? Mix it together. And that was pretty much every night. I was very boring, but I was like, I haven't gotten sick of this. This is cheap. This works. Um, I need to reevaluate that though, because when I hit the whites and was really working hard to make miles, I got way too thin. Um, you use a stove, heat water? Yeah, I had a stove. Um, I would heat water and then just pour it into the oatmeal packet or the mashed potato packet and just make an unholy little 
gremlin meal inside its own packet. Um, did you lose a lot of weight? I did. I lost too much. Um, like, it seems like most females don't lose that much weight. Yeah, we usually, we get ripped, and that's how it was until New Hampshire. And then New Hampshire, you know, you're fighting for your life on the rock scrambles. Um, and I lost them there. I probably, you know, I say I lost a lot. I probably, when all was said and done, lost between 15 or 20 pounds, but I was a runner and I was already at like a good weight when I started. So I didn't really have that to lose. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, New Hampshire about, is hard. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What was your food intake like? And do you have a favorite meal or recipe? Um, my, just kind of the normal side, the, you know, normal meals, the north sides, mashed potatoes, um, kind of that stuff. My breakfast was based on, this is kind of like my hiker trash breakfast is coffee, carnation, and then the massively processed donuts. Like, um, Krispy Kreme makes like the little donut holes, the packaged donut holes. That's, you look at them, it's literally like a hundred <laughs> grams of sugar. But yeah. I, I, can you get at a gas station? Yeah. yeah. Get at a gas station, things like that. Like where you, but you can get like an eight pack at the store. I'm like, oh, great. That's four, four breakfasts in the morning. That, that works great. Um, so a lot of stuff like that. But every occasion, there's some really good companies that make fantastic freeze-dried meals. So like, I always will have one of those either shipped to me or, or thrown in, or actually will buy them and have them mailed to me kind of wherever I am. And those are really, really good. Those hit the spot. But one of my favorite things to do, I did this a lot in Maine, was buy a box of cereal and carnation breakfast mix and doing literally a whole bag of cereal and carnation for breakfast. And it was Just absolutely fantastic. Dry? No, with no, use the carnation as like your instant breakfast as your milk. Oh. I remember sitting doing that, having a bag of Lucky Charms crossing. I walked across the Kennebec. It was I love Lucky Charms. Yeah. Man. And literally walked I walked across the Kennebec where everyone was waiting for the ferry. I told people like, let's just walk across. It's low. They're like well, but that's like we're waiting for the ferry. What if something happens? I'm like, it may not be safe. I'm like, the water ain't releasing. I know when it's online information when that dam releases, the powerhouse releases. So I walked across. I sat across the north side of the river and literally just made myself a bunch of lucky charms and ate it out of the bag. It, 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 I actually used my pot, my one liter pot, and just used that, and it was great. That actually sounds really good. It, it is really good when you. Well, at that point, you just. You want to eat anything and everything. You're just tired. You're always hungry. You really don't care. It's just like, what sounds good? Did you lose weight? Oh, I lost a lot of weight. I lost 50 pounds on the AT, and I lost about, I believe, about 60 pounds the most on the PCT. Wow. And that was just, I just couldn't eat enough. And then it gets to the point where if you don't eat enough, you just, you know, your body starts, yeah, starting to start smell the ammonia, which isn't good, and like, okay, I need to really sit down and eat a lot for the next couple of days. Did you do that when both of you, when you went to town? Did you, you know, pig out? Yeah. I remember going to a restaurant in Stratton, Maine, and literally ordering three entrees. And the waitress, like, all of us, there's four <laughs> of us, all, all of us did that. And I'm like, oh, I'll take a lobster roll. Oh, your special spaghetti? I'll take that. <laughs> like Chef Ramsay. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll take a burger. And the waitress is just like... Oh my God. But yeah, I remember eating that, going to Ming's in Waynesboro, multiple plates in that. There's a buffet in Gorham that after the whites, 
yeah, you, you have to hit up. And then the visitor center, I don't know if they still do. I hope that they do, but at the notches, Pinkham, I think Crawford, they have the, uh, the lodges where they have the breakfast buffets. And those are huge to hit up and just eat as much as you can. I remember sitting there for several hours and people were like, um, we're closing, you need to leave. <laughs> like, well, how much more is the cilia bar going to be open? Like, for another half hour? Great, we'll, we'll just eat there. Oh, that's crazy. I had like one buffet experience. I went to the university in Hanover and sat in that dining hall breakfast until dinner and then just like rolled out of there and just I had lost count of how many plates of food that I had um I just ate so much just a disgusting amount of food but the first time I had hiker hunger was in Irwin just kind of early but I ordered enough Mexican food that they put another thing of silverware across for me because they assumed someone was joining me. I was like, no, no. I mean, thanks for the extra fork because I can just like both hands just shovel it. <laughs> but <laughs> did it ever make you like sick when you ate over ate like that, or, or was it you needed it so much that it just absorbed? No, I never got. I never got sick. Did you? I never. I never got sick from overeating, but I got sick from certain things that I did drink. Like drinking a half gallon of milk Ooh. in chocolate milk in Pennsylvania and then hiking out the next day Ooh. wasn't advised. That's I'm just gonna leave it at that. That wasn't that wasn't good. No, I uh, I refused the half gallon challenge. I walked up and saw my tramley just looking completely miserable, just trying to do it, and I was like, No, I will have a burger and a soda and a reasonable amount of ice cream. And then I will have another burger and I'll be fine. But yeah, no. A half refused. gallon of ice cream doesn't seem like that much, but I guess it is when you're sitting there. It's like a little, yeah. It, it's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> this is the key. So this is a little tip for anybody that wants to do the AT is right outside the, the store. There's an ice machine and stick your, they give you one, 1. 1.5 quarts and then you got to buy, um, a pint is put that there's ice machine, the compressor fan, compressor fan blows warm air, put your ice cream in front of that and let it melt so that when you, when you finally open it up and you start officially started, it's already soft, it's melted and it goes so much down so much easier. Did you figure that out on your own? Yes. And when I did AT, I did it. And then the PCT around 1400 miles, just after the halfway point, I went to a grocery store and bought, half gallon of ice cream and did it did it there as well out in the middle of in the middle of a parking lot of a motel and people <laughs> looking at you like what are you doing i'm like halfway done gotta get a half gallon of uh half gallon of ice cream that's crazy you could be like on the hot dog eating contest no i can't i can't like eat that much but some people can do you guys have a favorite spot or section of the at for me, it's Maine. Um, as soon as you hit the border, you see the sign. It changes. Like, yeah, the whites are tough, but I just felt the Maine was just was a switch on. You mean the terrain? Just the, the, the terrain and just the way they did it, but I loved it. I loved the people there. All the towns were super cool, super friendly people. Um, yeah, it was really, really hard, but it was rewarding. And... I did it in August, so we had, we had good weather, lots of you know places, likes to go swimming and 
and really enjoy it. But I just loved it. It was just a way to, hey, cool, congratulations. 13 states down. Here's the last one, 278 miles to go. Did you enjoy the 100-mile wilderness as well? I did. I, I kind of took my time in it. Um, some people fly through, which is great, but I didn't have a – I had leeway at about seven days roughly to finish it. And Mud Duck and I, we went – we just kind of took our time. And we did a couple of 20s, but nothing that was super crazy. But we enjoyed it. Went swimming a bunch. Get a cool, like, cool, let's swim. Or get to this campsite, hey, let's swim. And we had a great time. I – some people need to go. Some people can take their time. What about you, Newfoundland? I wish I could say I loved the 100-mile wilderness, but it tried to kill me. Um, <laughs> so it was miserable. It rained. I'm a tall person. We had hip-deep fords on me. It was just a bad time. Um, that was the first 30 that I ever did because I was just like, wow. get me done. I'm done with this. The day before I went up Katahdin, I was like, hmm. From here to Herdbrook is 30 miles. I'll be there by 9 p.m. and just took off. Um, but my favorite section was uh, really like the section that we're close to. I love North Carolina. Um, and then as you get into Tennessee and get into the Smokies, loved the Smokies, um, the Rhone Highlands. And that was my favorite section until I got to Vermont because we got really lucky my year. Um, we suffered through a drought through like Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, but that translated into a very dry Vermont. There was no mud for us, nothing. Yeah. It was beautiful. It started to cool off again. Um, and then just, you know, you start getting into elevation and you get rewarded with those amazing views again. Um, and then New Hampshire tried to kill me. Maine tried to kill me. So I, I would love to go back and redo the Hunter Mile um, just to have a better, better experience because his pictures look great. His Fords looked amazing. He walked across, you know, ankle deep water, and we were just like literally locking arms and doing swift water. Like probably should have turned around, kind of Fords, but we didn't. No one died. I was thinking what you said about. Western North Carolina and Eastern Tennessee, I started daydreaming because I think that section and the Smokies is like no place on earth for me. Oh, it's my favorite. Like the weirdest thing that I fixated on, you know how there's like these granite, not granite, but like I guess granite, like they're quartz-infused boulders, and it just looks like this globe that's just like in the middle of the moss and the woods. I love the Smokies. The Smokies also tried to kill me. <laughs> it was raining, and then we had an ice storm, and it was just freezing cold, but it was so beautiful. I've been back a couple times since then. Did you ever think about quitting? <sighs> By the time it got to the point where it was so rough, New Hampshire, I was hiking out of pure spite. I was like, nah, I've made it 2,000 miles. I'm not turning around yet. Um, no, I, I can't say that I, I thought about quitting. I had a hard time and, you know, complained a lot and suffered a lot. But I think I was like, well, you know, it'll take me a bit longer to get done with this, but I'm going to get done with this. Um, worst case scenario was me for me was like having to flip because I was taking too much time. But I finished on um, September 25th and... Yeah, I, I wouldn't ease into October. It was getting borderline there for me, but it worked out. 
you said you carried a camera, a big camera. I did. Like what? What were you like? What was speaking to you to photograph? Just everyday stuff, or were you saving it for overlooks and things like that? Just everyday stuff. Um, I. I made a deal with myself that if I went like more than a day without using it, I would send it home. And it was just anything. Um, it was just, uh, you know, the trail. I wish that I had taken more pictures of, uh, of people. In following your Instagram account, I, I get the feeling that you did a lot of introspection and journaling along the way. Oh, yeah. I was in my feels the, the whole through hike. Um, but yeah, I kept a journal. I had two of those little right in the rain journals, um, that I filled up over the course of my through. I made an entry every single day. Um, every day. Yeah. And I had never like successfully journaled. I had always wanted to like keep a journal and do that, but there was always something to talk about and I'm glad that I did. And reading back on them, um, as I'm writing my book, I'm like really thankful that, I was like, oh, I met so-and-so today. And it's really cool to look back at the first journal that I filled up and be like, no, I met them for the first time like in Tennessee. And then I saw them again in New Hampshire um, and really just kind of follow the story, um, you know, and the journey of like meeting people and then meeting them again and uh, all of that. So tell me about the book. It's a, it's shaping up to be a memoir. It's kind of like, I don't, want to say memoir in essays but like you said it's a lot of introspection so it's a lot of like you know the through hike and then kind of bouncing back to my marriage and everything that happened there and going back and forth between okay here's what we learned then here's how we're really learning a, you know that lesson that the trail needed to teach me and um yeah, it's, I've enjoyed writing it um, with the renovations and everything with the hostel. I haven't had a chance the last week, week and a half or so to sit down and write at all. Um, and sucks, will you include all those photographs? I don't know. Um, I'd have to see. It, I would love to be able to publish um, traditionally, you know, through a publisher and, you know, query and all that. But if not, and it's fair game, I have so many pictures that I could contribute and they all currently live on, you know, Google drive. They, they aren't being used anywhere for anything really. Um, did you, have you published a book before? Mm -mm. Nope. Were you a writer before? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've always been a writer. Um, I, as long as I can remember, I've been like writing little stories when I was a kid, um, blogging, you know, journaling kind of sporadically, but the AT was the first time that I had ever written, written, you know, anything. Um, I wrote for the Trek the whole time that I was out there. And, you know, those posts are still up there and to my knowledge. And, um, yeah, so I've always, you know, kind of journal written, but never really published anything anywhere. So do we'll you see. have a, a finish date? Oh, God. I would love, I did the math on it. I was trying to write, you know, X amount of words every single day, but I'm learning that that's not the writer that I am. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a through hike where I went into it like, okay, I can be done by this date. And then, you know, the trail laughs at your plans. It's like, oh, this is, <laughs> it's adorable that you think that this is going to go the way you think it's going to go. 
Um, but I'm about 70,000 words in and you want to kind of cap it at 80 to a hundred. So I'm a little more than halfway. Um, my challenge is I am not brevity. Isn't really my strong suit. So it's going to be a big chunk of material that I'm going to have to pare down and edit and really tease out like what's the actual story in here. Cause I'm literally looking at my journals and just kind of writing down what happened every day. And then as, you know, I realized something like, oh, okay, this is connected to this experience that I had before I got on the trail. Let's write, you know, about that scene and what happened over there and then kind of bounce back and forth um, in time to really give context to and meaning to what happened on the trail and what that experience was. Um, mm -hmm. but so it's more than just Dear diary, here's what happened today. Yeah. You're trying to weave a, the 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 wholeness of your experience. Yeah, yeah, it's the full narrative. Of Do I? I know that like on your Instagram, you're sharing some of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like the stuff that I read on there is like, whoa. Well, thank wow. you. <laughs> and I know other people are the same way because when anytime your name comes up, it's like, oh man, have you read some of her Instagram? Oh my God. <laughs> What uh, what is your Instagram so people can check you out? And follow it? Uh, yeah, I'm blushing first of all, but um, my Instagram is very boring. It's my Muggle name. It's just Mary Levins, um, so just all one word, Mary, as you would normally spell it. And then my last name is kind of weird, um, L E A V I N E S. So okay, so people can follow along and they'll know when uh, when the book is ready. Yeah, we're trying. We're getting there. That's awesome. Let's talk about Summit Day for both of you guys. Um, ben, unfiltered, what was your Summit Day like? So when I had came up to Able Bridge, um, we started at the convenience store, drank a little bit. But the next day, they were forecasting 70-80% chance of rain, thunderstorms, and all that stuff. So... Um, I actually took a zero day when I was going to summit, and I had the, like I said, the planner of mine, I had the whole, all the permits to um, go to Millinock and then be able to get back into get back into the park early in the morning on Tuesday morning, and did that, got in, started summiting, it was beautiful, it wasn't raining, it was, it was, it was fantastic, but then around 4,000 feet, once we got to like, the table ends, it it was cloudy, but... It was a lot of fun. It was Mudduck and I just in a day pack. My ex-wife was joining us. And it was it was just a lot of fun. It wasn't, it was a challenge, but it's just fun. All the rock climbing, all the stuff you've done, you just enjoy it. Cause you, was it emotional? I thought it would be, but it wasn't. It was just a sense of accomplishment and hell yeah. You felt like a badass? Yeah. You know, like when you get up there and you see people that you that you hiked with, you know, that you hiked with in, in New York and Connecticut and Massachusetts, but they finish, you know, when you do. And it was just, it was a lot of fun, but it was really cool is that when I got to the top, it's like everybody that wasn't up there through hiking, that was day hiking, when they saw you come, because they knew, they could look and tell you that you were a through hiker, they all, they stepped away and they kind of let you enjoy your time around the sign. And I remember... Going up there, and Mud Duck and I said, "Hey, let's touch this together." And I had a video of him and I, you know, so, you know, get walking up to it, touching at the same time, giving each other a high five, and just 
It was reflection. It was just all the things that I've learned, all of my memories, all those really cool stories from the trail. And just looking back and just, you know, hell yeah, like this is this is what I've been wanting. This is what I've been walking wanting to do and walking towards for the past five months. And it was a lot of fun and I, I enjoyed it. and then coming back down was just pure elation. It was really cool. It was coming back down there was a couple that we had met in the Smokies and they were coming up and they were like, Oh, we're, we're doing Sobo. Like we, we had to get off for jobs, but we're going to go Sobo as far as we can. It was just really cool to see them, to see them again, specifically on Katahdin. But I had a great summit day. It, it was fantastic. It wasn't rushed. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And it really hits you though, when you're, driving away you leave baxter and you know like okay that's that's done yeah there's no oh in a week i can go did you have a job to go back to i didn't but i was very fortunate to get a job pretty quickly when i did get back what about you newfound what was your summit like um so my summit was it kind of started like in the middle of the hundred mile wilderness um i mentioned earlier that it was a pretty miserable time. It was raining nonstop. It was cold because it was late September. Um, and the tramley that I was with, almost everyone had stayed at Shaw's. And I loved Shaw's. I went over there for the breakfast. Um, but I stayed in the introvert hostel over the um, restaurant in Monson. And um, Oh, the lake house. Yeah, the lake house. Yeah, I stayed over there. And I enjoyed it. I just kind of had my little introvert moment. And uh, it was a good time. Went out for breakfast. Ben's shaking his head because he's such an extrovert. Like, <laughs> we're, we would not have been friends <laughs> on the AT. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I stayed there. But everyone that stayed at Shaw's, not dissing Shaw's, it's just the amount of people that were there, everyone got COVID in the 100 mile. And so there was, like, it was raining and miserable and everybody's dropping like flies and I hadn't stayed at Shaw's, but I, I went to the breakfast and, you know, I feel for poet and hippie chick, you know, have that the amount of people just, there's no way to avoid that. And, um, I just kind of looked around and I have it far out pulled up on my phone cause I can't pronounce it, but it's like the first time I saw Katahdin was, uh, at Nob, how do you pronounce that, Ben? The lake? N- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, there's, there's a lake, and it had been so cloudy that I didn't get any views of Katahdin anywhere else in you know, the places that you would expect it. And that was also the first day that it hadn't rained. So I walked out. It was so cold, and it was just a clear bluebird sky day, and super windy, and I walked out onto the beach. I had gotten going kind of early, so I was alone, and I saw Katahdin for the first time and just kind of went, all right, let's go, and looked at the mileage, looked at the time. I was like, okay, it's going to be a 30. I've never done a 30 before, but, you know, if I have, you know, the vid brewing in me, I need to get this done before. Are you ready to... Were you ready for the hike to be over, or were you like, oh, no, it's almost over? I I wouldn't say I was ready for the hike to be over, but I was just so close. I, I call it, like, I got the Katahdin zoomies. I was like, you know, the only thing that I hadn't really done 
that hike was physically challenged myself to that degree. You know, I had suffered through the whites, but I had always been like, no, 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 I'm going to slow down and be, you know, careful and rest when I need to. And I was like, no, no, let's send it. Like, let's, let's do some big miles. So I did, you know, a 30 that day, made it to Herdbrook Shelter. Alone? Um, yeah, I did. I hiked alone. You know, there were people all around me all day, of course, because there's always, you know, people in the 100 mile. But um, then the next morning I woke up and after all was said and done, it was, you know, almost a 20, you know, getting into the park, going up Katahdin and coming back down. And I'm so glad that I went fast and had that like, okay, you know, let's try to do something we haven't done before because I ran into so many people that I hadn't seen since the beginning of my hike and I wouldn't Mm. have seen them if I hadn't have, you know, just gone and did the big mile day um you know there was a guy that uh sweet cheeks i hadn't seen him since day two you know in georgia walked into the birches campground he was like one of the only two hikers left in there and i was like oh it's a good day to summit katana right guys and he turned around he was like holy shit i was like where have you been (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, behind you yeah right and um you know i as i as i was going up katana um, I saw, you know, other people like Gumby and as I was coming back down, I saw, you know, helium and just people I hadn't seen since Tennessee, New Jersey, Georgia. And it was a very like full circle, like maybe this was the lesson all along, you know, I needed to have my alone time and kind of listen to myself. But at the end of the day, it was about the community that held me, um, through the whole experience because even as an introvert, like my favorite part about the trail is the people. And that, that I would say that was a, a lesson that I learned because I went into it like, all I need is myself, you know, I've survived this, that, the other. And, you know, I got me, but it, there are a lot of places like New York was miserable. It was so hot. And the only thing that kind of made me keep my momentum was knowing like, hey, my tramley is waiting at the next lake or the ice cream vending machine. We're going to go loiter and siesta <laughs> and it's going to be a great day. In front of the no loitering sign. <laughs> oh, yeah, sign. yeah. In front of it, directly in front of it. I mean, it's the, the most shaded spot is the no loitering sign. Um, what so. kind of thoughts or emotions were you having at the top? <sighs> just kind of like Ben said, just reflection. I had always made a point to like when I got to you know, a really pretty spot, I would turn around and look south and just kind of see what the trail looks like that I had just gone. And I made a habit of like pausing and looking back and reflecting on the hike um, and, you know, taking pictures of it behind me. And I got to the top and I got to the sign and looked south for the last time of my through hike. And I was like, I got this, like this through hiking was my life. It's the AT is always going to be always going to feel like my first home. And cause it was the first time that I had ever really felt at home within my own skin and just like, you know, just at peace with myself and what I was doing. And I was like, I have to leave this place, but I can carry that feeling with me and just, reflection on and being really, really thankful for all that it taught me about myself and all that it gave me. 
you know, the friends, the community, um, and unfiltered over here, as cheesy as that is. So, though I, I didn't know it at the time, but... Um, and you, you hiked in 2022. He hiked in 2021. How did you guys meet? Going to let you answer this one? Yeah. Trail magic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the most magical trail magic. <laughs> don't get ahead of yourself on that one. <laughs> you may think so, but uh, okay. Wow. No, um... I was living in Michigan at the time, and Mud Duck and I had kind of we haven't hadn't seen each other since Katahdin. He went to, we came back down. He got a ride uh, to Bangor to fly out, and I had a ride to Millinocket and and just kind of drive back to Michigan just with my family and my ex-wife and just and just relax. And we had talked, and we we're like, hey, you know, I'm gonna drive down and let's let's go do trail magic. Like first full weekend in April, he's like, "Cool, let's do it." So we had texted you know, kind of what we're bringing, what our plans were, and we we had met up and we decided to go to Stokoe Gap for trail magic. And as we were driving up to Stokoe Gap, it starts snowing, windy, snowing, and we're like, "Okay, well, this is interesting." We get set up. I had brought a grill. I forgot a part for the grill for the grill the regulator for it to work so no no hot food but as we said we had sodas the snacks chip you know all that different stuff that as through hikers we know people want so it's known first person to come out of the woods was her and she's all dressed in all black all bundled up it's snowing and i literally looked at him like Whose funeral are you are you going to? <laughs> you just you lead in with smart ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, mine. And I was like, I just kind of laugh. And I said, hey, you know. And she's like, well, when did you guys hike? And we're like, last year, how did you know? She goes, like, only a few hikers would be out here doing trail magic. So um, we made her hot chocolate. We gave her some snacks and just kind of talked to her about just kind of hearing her story like she had mentioned earlier. All like in her life and you everybody has their why everybody has their reason why they're out there and just had a great conversation just kind of hit it off and we just met it was just it was a chance me and you're like cool and i told her i said i think you'll make it and he said i said, i know you'll make it just you have that why you have that that drive to do it and i'm like cool awesome and and that's really all, all that it was it was just Cool meeting, real things like, hey, awesome, good for them. I'll never see them again. You know, I can follow them along on Instagram, but I'll never, I'll never see them again. Like, cool, awesome. And we, we, I was a couple weeks, three weeks later, I was on the PCT, started my PCT th- through hike and um, did my own thing. And life's changed, life, different things happen. And um, just got separated. I just reached out. She had moved to Asheville. I'm like, hey, you know, I just randomly, do you want to go for a hike? You know, I'm going to show you some cool stuff around the area. You're new. I know this area pretty well. And we um, we went for a hike. She was hiking with a friend, but we just hit it off. Had a great time. Kept conversation. Was really, really going. I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. This is, this is, feels great. And kept dating, started being together. And here we are. Fast forward, and now you own a hostel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, six months after we started dating, we went in on a, a mortgage together. So we're um, 
It was a bold choice, but yeah. <laughs> it's worked out so far, I think. So far, so good. So far, so good. Knock on wood. <laughs> we're, all, we're all counting on you. Oh, God. <laughs> we, we need this. The rest of us need this to work. <laughs> or a really nice hostel will be for sale at some point. Yeah, yeah. Nah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, like Unfiltered had mentioned, um, we met. It was very much like I was also in a relationship at the time, so it was very like, oh, I'm in a relationship, but I'm not dead. Here's a six foot seven, <laughs> tall, dark through hiker that has hot chocolate and it's very, very cold. So I was like, okay, noted, you know, I'll never see this guy again. Um, but what I didn't mention is, um, when I moved to Asheville, I had noticed that a lot of my trail friends had fallen out of touch with each other and I was falling out of touch. So I started a now pretty much defunct, um, because it kind of petered out as people went on with their lives um, just like a private Facebook group and we would do monthly or biweekly like Google meets and you would reach out to me at, at some point and you were like, Hey, I've been through this. Cause we were talking a lot about post-trail depression. And he was like, I'd like to help people, especially people that are like struggling to find jobs, you know, kind of give them advice because he had done it before he had through hiked two long trails at that point. So we joined the Google meets and you know, that before, you know, I moved to Asheville, before um, we had started, really became, like, interested in each other or whatnot, um, I had noticed that about him. I was like, okay, he, like, really cares about the community, is really, you know, wanting to help people. And, um, yeah, just really noticed that he was a really generous, nice, you know, caring individual. So this is your, this will be your first season as hostel owners. Oh yeah. And you live here in the house. We do. It'll be fun. <laughs> Are you, uh, I, I mean, I assume you're looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's just, you just don't know. It's your first time doing it and it's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be crazy, but we through hiked. We know what it's like. We know we know the mentality. When you're 110 miles in, you get to Wine and Stay or Rock Gap, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like what? You know, like, what's going on? Like, I think uh, word spreads fast, you know, among the hikers, so you'll probably be busy. Speaking of word travels fast, is our first guest. We had this one guy, really, really, really great guy. We had, we were upstairs in our, our kitchen. And we just had a great conversation with him. And first person day, and he gifted us a, a an awesome book that he signed, and a great conversation. But he literally he was going nobo, and he told so many sobos like, "Hey, stay here, stay here, really good people." And it was just really cool because him telling like four or five people really brought a lot of people into the hostel, and then was able then the word of mouth kind of spread, and it was. It's really cool how that how that happens. Nice. I'm I'm looking forward to Nobo season. I know that you know it'll be a little more crazy because the Sobos are very independent. They will get themselves into town. They will get their resupply. We do a resupply shuttle here, and we we return people to trail. Um, but the Sobos they they know what it's about. They'll just show up at your door and be like, "Hey, I'm here," 
And they'll have texted a couple days ahead because they know when they're going to make it into town. So Nobos, you know, I was the same way. Didn't really know what was going on. I didn't have a reservation when I made it to Franklin. I had to, you know, I called the hostels. They were full, of course, and um, ended up staying in a hotel when I came through. But, you know, they they don't really quite know what's going on yet, but they know enough to know, like, hey, my shoes aren't working and my pack is not working. Um, we had a guy in the other day where, you know, we were able to look at him and be like, hey, you need a smaller pack. Um, you know, your torso size is a little bit too big and we can help you cut some weight. And to me, that's really gratifying to be able to, you know, not like be overbearing and be like, oh, you're doing this wrong, but be like, hey, you know, you, you said that your feet hurt. You said that your shoulders hurt. We can help you if you'd like. And having people be so grateful of like, oh my God, you were able to cut like five pounds off my pack and get me into the appropriate footwear where I'm not going to hurt anymore. Um, that's really gratifying to me. So I'm looking forward to Nobo season because you get a lot more of that than the Sobos because Sobos already, they got it, right. you know, figured. To be more um, of a host. Yeah, yeah. But um, with the Nobos, you get to really you have an opportunity to really help people be successful. And that's, that means, you know, the world to me because I'm sitting next to the first person that told me that I was going to make it to Katad. And I was like, oh, okay. And that, it left an impression on me. Um, I remembered that when it got hard in New Hampshire, I was like, okay, there's at least one person out there <laughs> that thinks I can do this, even <laughs> if I don't. And, um, and I think Franklin's a, a good trail town. You know, oh, you know it's a great. good outfitter, Outdoor 76 and food and breweries and, you know, lots of stuff nearby. No, I, and that's, yeah, that's the best part is like, to me, it's, you know, it's funny, like a Walmart, I'm not, you know, but it's, it's just a great resupply, but yeah, having Outdoor 76 that if you're having issues, like everyone has feet issues. I did. They were fantastic. They're like, I could barely walk, did the whole hiker hobble into Outdoor 76, put me in a new pair of shoes. You know, Rob was fantastic. And I walked out of there. I couldn't feel the massive bushes on the bottom of my feet. You know, it took a couple weeks for them to heal, but they were great. And I finished finished the AT with those same same model shoes. Went to the PCT, bought seven pairs of those, <laughs> and did the PCT with in those same shoes because well, I know they work. But no, it's a great town. Like it's easy to walk around and 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 to do things and you know, the breweries and restaurants. It's a great town. There's a community here. And that's what I really liked, you know, specifically in the AT is that a lot of these small towns, it is a community. It's a part of it. It's not just, oh, you're a hiker. We don't, we don't care. Yeah. We um, typically, we don't do pickup shuttles. We might be changing that just because, you know, Franklin is such a welcoming community. It takes all of two seconds to get a hitch because anyone driving over Winding Stair Gap knows exactly what you're doing and why you're there mm -hmm. and what, you know, you need to get into town. And then Macon County has a transit bus that runs up to Winding Stair Gap and Rock Gap to go pick up hikers, yeah. like specifically to go do that. That's awesome. Um, so Franklin's a great town. Love it. Well, we're all pulling for the hostel too. Thank you. How, <laughs> so are we. How... Uh, <laughs> How do people find you, or the hostel-wise? How do they find you on the internet or Instagram or whatever? Oh, we're, you know, I put my marketing, you know, my previous life, I worked at a marketing agency. So those skills have been 
put to work. We're on Far Out. We have a website, thegrovehostel.com. We're on Facebook, The Grove Hostel. We're on Instagram, The Grove Hostel. Nice. Um, so we're in all the places where you can find us except TikTok because I refuse. I just don't. <laughs> it looks like a big time suck. Um, but we're, yeah, we're all over. You can find us pretty much wherever you would look as a through hiker. Um, and uh, if you're not a through hiker, you're also welcome. We love section hikers. We had quite a few come in our Sobo season, and we're hoping to um, do slack packing trips this oh. fall as well. And that's just like, if you're a through hiker and you want to take, you know, your girlfriend out to experience the trail and do like a series of day hikes, we'll come pick you up from different gaps and support you on like a looking at like a 50 mile section um, in the middle of fall colors um, because it's our quiet season with the Sobos and also because I'm from South Louisiana and I love to have an excuse to go enjoy fall colors because I've never experienced that mm. <laughs> before. And it's the we're in the middle of February, so like in the next couple of weeks, you guys are going to be overrun with people, probably. Yeah, yeah we already have a couple of days where some a group of section hiking is pretty much reserved the whole place, so it's going to be, nice. it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's about to be spicy. Spicy. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. We got some uh, renovation plans. We've already done redone the bathrooms down here in the hostel, um, so we're hoping and counting for good business to make all those dreams and we'll have all your links in the show notes and whatnot but oh yeah i want to thank you guys for coming on and just sharing your personal stories and you know the hostel store it's interesting to see people just jump right in uh to something brand new like this yeah neither of us are really known to half-ass anything so (laughs) i just kind of jump feet first into what could have ended in a you know, kind of sketchy way, but it's here's to trail out. magic. Yeah. Hey, you never know. I'm a big believer. Like you never know who you're going to meet. All right, guys. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having us. Thank you're you. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the hiker trash podcast. If you'd like to support this project, you can go buy a coffee table book or a fine art print. You can do it at our website, localexposuremagazine.com. You can show some love to Scott Lowe. He provided the music for today's episode. You can find him on Instagram at Scott Lowe Songs. Hey, if you enjoy this, tell someone. Send them a text, make a post, talk about it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.